All right, everybody. Hey, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Program. And uh, here's a question for you. How do we have a transformational impact, transformational meaning a permanent change in some of those people that just drive us crazy? And now I'm guessing, as I said that, there's somebody that just popped into your mind you're thinking of. It's maybe somebody in your family. It's your coworker. It's some of your employees. But you know what we're going to really talk about is, hey, you know, the person that drives me the craziest is often just myself. If I'm just being honest, you know, a good friend of mine, Jeff Caliguire, he is an amazing coach. He's been a coach of mine. We were in a Bible study together uh, for a long period of time. Incredible background. And Jeff, welcome to the podcast, first of all. Thank you, John. It is great to be here. Well, it's just been so great to get to know you and Mindy. And then we moved into the south side of town and you guys are now way up north there, up there, almost to Boulder. And uh, you know what? It's been too long, but we got to find a way to get together. But folks, I just want to just tell you a little bit about Jeff and what we're going to be talking about today. So Jeff, you know, told me at first, he goes, I'm a transformational coach. I'm like, well, what is that? He's like, well, we coach in a way that we create permanent positive change. I'm like, oh, dude, okay, you know, tell me more because I'm getting into coaching and, and love this. He's also the founder of the Coaching Transformation Academy. You have such an interesting career that kind of led you into coaching. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to let you tell a little bit of your story. But and you and your wife, Mindy, who's amazing, started uh, Soul Care, which I'm just, discuss- you know, I'm, I'm realizing how important that truly is. And you have eight books, Habits of Hope, Transformational Coaching, former senior pastor, an amazing story all the way through Dallas Theological Seminary, burnout, leading you into what you're doing now so other people don't experience it. But here's what we're going to be talking about today, everybody listening, is God is doing something big right now. There is an awakening happening. There is a revival happening I know for a fact, God has now spared my life two different times, distinctly. And there's actually more than that that you guys haven't heard about when I was in the military flying fighters, because there's a couple situations there that literally I, I didn't think I'd survive, and I did. For a time such as this, and that's not just unique to me, right? I, God doesn't care about us. Well, I want to say that I, I am not special, or none of us are set apart. We are all his children, we are all loved intensely and equally. And in that right now, there is, there's something happening. He is calling people onto the field. He's calling people onto the playing field, the battlefield, it might feel for some of us. And in that, there is an equipping that needs to happen. And I truly believe whether you are a coach out there or you're in a leadership role, right? Which means to me, you're in a position to have a positive influence on somebody at work, in your family, or maybe you're in the org chart at your company, you are in that leadership role. But we're going to be talking about today is I think not only how to coach, but the importance of coaching across everything that we're doing. I truly believe it is one of the most powerful and impactful tools that we have for kingdom impact. And it's no longer a verb. Coaching is no longer a verb. Coaching is a noun. As a leader, you're a coach. It's a title. It is a way of operating. It's a way of thinking. Whether you're coaching because you have a coaching business or because you're in any kind of leadership role, which 
is pretty much all of you, in my opinion. So with that, Jeff, you know, just on that, Jeff, because I, I, I know you're, you're, this is how you and I both think, but what, what are your thoughts on kind of what's happening and what God's doing in the world right now in the role of coaches? When I first started coaching back in the late 1990s, John, people would say, uh, you know, do you coach football, basketball? And they'd look at me and they'd probably think, well, the guy's not a, uh, a gymnast, right? So he doesn't coach gymnastics. But uh, but something you played that, football in college, though. I did. I did. I so know, I, looked, I looked like I should be coaching football. But, you know, for any of us who did play sports, there was this sense that coaches were life changing to us. And so, you know, we, we respected our coaches. We wanted to be like our coaches. So when I went into coaching, uh, it was just a new thing. It really was. And, and yet for me, it came, John, because I realized that, you know, kind of like you started to say, how do you transform people that make you crazy, starting with yourself? And I was a senior pastor of a church in Boston that my wife, Mindy, and I had founded. And I started to realize that, you know, I, I wanted to help other people change, I wanted to help other people have spiritual health, emotional health, physical health. And yet I was so incredibly unhealthy and started to dislike myself. Now, this was also the time that you were a pastor, correct? I was a pastor. And I see like you're talking about, you know, why now? Because so many in leadership, I think, are going through an emotional health crisis and a spiritual health crisis. And I feel like coaching has a way forward. But a lot of people still think it's a gimmick or, you know, what the heck is coaching? And I feel like there's a huge potential. You've heard me say, John, I believe coaches are today's new spiritual leaders and certainly not the only spiritual leaders, but coaches can help bring that kind of change very personally into people's lives in the boardroom, in the career change room, in the leadership room. And so... I'm a big fan. And what would you say, Jeff, is a spiritual leader? That's a great question. I mean, so, you know, the spiritual part of us, right? I mean, I, I went to seminary, is the deeper soul, the spirit. You know, we have the physical, we have our results, but the spiritual includes our identity. It includes our core motivations, it includes, you know, what we're supposed to be doing as believers and connecting to the vine. And yet so many of us go, well, how does that look? How does that look in my everyday life? I don't even know. Well, you know what? I, I, I'm curious if anybody else there listening had the same reaction to what Jeff said is, you know what, like, how do I connect to the vine? You know, sometimes I felt connected. I don't know how to really stay connected. I'll just share everybody. One of the things that I have really worked on is, have you ever read, uh, uh, what's it called? The Other Half of Church? Love that book. Love those men. Yeah. Uh, Jim Wilder and Michael Hendricks. Now think about this, folks. You know what? It's not just about uh, spiritual disciplines, right? There's a lot of things that were taught in the church. There's a lot of things that are also taught how we're supposed to lead. I think there's a parallel in what's in that book, but here's kind of my summary is things have kind of become process-oriented, and when they become process-oriented, what that leaves behind is what Jeff just talked about. It's the relationship. It's the sense of love. It's the sense of caring. It's the sense of purpose. It's the sense of, how okay, this is important to me. Here's why I'm doing it. Here's why I'm willing to 
serve somebody else, take the focus off of me because I've actually understood it's important to me. And these two things have been separated when we're going through a lot of things, both leading with people, coaching people. And I, you know what coaching does? It is the perfect example of how Jesus operated. Because, you know, a friend of mine, he actually, uh, my pastor did a sermon last week, and he asked me a question before the service. He goes, John, do you know how many questions Jesus was asked? Because he went and counted them all. I'm like, okay. It's like, like oh, it was just over 300. And he said, do you know how many questions Jesus asked? And I think if I remember, the number was 108. But do you know how many questions he directly answered of all those questions he was asked? And it was three. Wow. Jesus was constantly asking questions and sharing parables and metaphors that created relationship, challenged people to grow, created the change. And I think it's one of the most powerful ways that we can communicate and serve and help other people that wrap these two things together. Absolutely. My wife, Mindy John, was speaking at the Q Commons a few years ago, and she said something that felt like just struck a chord in me. And she said, there's a difference between the transfer of information and transformation. Mm. And that whole concept, I mean, I was a pastor, John, and I had all these issues going on. I was a pretty lousy dad. I get angry with my kids. I yell at them. I mean, I, I literally one time was going to go preach on love as a pastor and had this big shouting match with my wife before I went to get up and speak about love. One time picked up a concordance, threw it across the room and broke it when somebody on my leadership team quit. And I realized that though I had the knowledge, there was something about the way I was living that was dysfunctional. And I didn't know how to make a change on my own. And that's where I think people are starting to recognize that we still need people in our lives. You know, Jesus didn't just go, hey, read my book and go away, guys. And he lived with those people. And I think what coaching offers today is the opportunity to bring a transformational relationship into people's lives that we've been lacking until the last, you know, 15, 20 years or so. Yeah. You know, you said something to me earlier. I'd love for you to expand on with, right, is that happiness wasn't something to pursue. Because, you know, if we think about where you were, right, you were pursuing, you know, your career goals and the growth of the church, and you were looking at all these things on, like, how to do this, how to do it well. In that, what was kind of the root cause of this, the, I, I think, this conflict that may, yeah, this many probably still feel? Yeah, uh, well, I was reading a book the other day that talked about, you know, Thomas Jefferson said that we need to pursue happiness as part of, uh, you know, of what we're about as Americans, and Americans have been unhappy ever since. <laughs> happiness itself isn't something that we pursue. It's the outflow of what we are involved in and engaged with. But I think, like, we can take our pulse and say, all right, if I'm not joyful, if I'm not peaceful, if I'm not happy, then what do I need to do? What is going to bring about that kind of change for me? And, you know, again, I think, you know, like you asked why coaching, why now? I think so many people in leadership are struggling with their own identity, their own unhappiness, and they need a, 
like a person. Uh, it's who, not how. You know, sometimes we think, well, I just need to figure out how to do this better. And they need people in their lives who will come alongside of them, who are going to help them get whole, help them find healing. And uh, I don't think I realized as a leader how much my own healing and lack of healing was affecting my leadership. I could have all the vision in the world and dreams and goals, but if I was a mess, you know, I was bringing me into those meetings, me into that preaching, and then obviously me into my marriage and my family. And so I got to believe there's a new way of transformation that's very, really an old way. And it's Romans 12, 2, that says that, you know, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that's where there's hope. You know, like I, I think coaches are purveyors of hope, that there's hope to change. And, but it's got to start with us. Something I think to just put a huge exclamation point on what you just said, it is who we are, not how, you know, um, leading up to my accident, I would describe myself probably similar to you if we knew each other back in the day, right, of this place of like smoldering discontent. And you just helped me get some clarity on that. You know what? I, I knew something was missing. I wasn't happy. I was seeking, you know, how do I be a better dad, a better husband, a better business leader? The only thing I knew how to do and what was modeled to me is try to just do more mm. and do more and then try to do more better. And, and you know what I, what I lost sight of was it's, you know what, the who you be, that informs what you do. And I had them backwards, if that makes sense. I'm like, okay, this is what I need to do. This is how I perform in the world. This is what I call it the tyranny of they. Here's what, how they define success. Here's how they expect me to show up. Here's what they expect me to do. And now who do I need to be to meet all those expectations of my family, my friends, my mom and dad, my, you know, my boss, all those kind of things. And in that, all of a sudden, we just drift off into this land of honestly being miserable where we both found ourselves. Now, in that, how did coaching, because I know what you've done, if you've, in this long journey, you have now shifted, you see that it, you're so passionate about it, you're, and you and I both share this passion and belief that coaching is so powerful that you have now focused 100% of your efforts on just training coaches on how to have transformational impact in the lives of the people they're working with. Now, imagine also if you're a business leader and you had those coaching skills and you could create transformational results in just who your people are. You know, when you went through that process yourself, what are some of the elements of that that allowed you to transform your mind, your mindsets, understand really not who you were when you looked in the mirror, but who Christ created you to be? Mm, great question. Yeah, the who, not how thing starts with the who being connecting to Christ, right? You know, we need a relationship that goes beyond a head knowledge. And so, I mean, I, you know, even this morning, every morning, John, I have to get up and start my day with connecting with God with gratitude. I do gratitude lists. I spend time, you know, reading scripture, praying, meditating. Like, I feel like for me, it takes a lot because I, I come from New Jersey, man. I mean, I learned how to complain. I learned how to have, you know, I mean, I, complaining was an art where I grew up and I grew up in a family <laughs> that had a lot of good stuff, but we were really good at complaining and we still are. But 
I had to learn that negativity and my mind was my responsibility, that what I was thinking was impacting every element of my life. And so I needed, I mean, I, I sometimes say for me, it takes a village. I mean, I meet with a counselor, a spiritual director, a coach, because I, I recognize that if I'm not at my best, I'm not bringing my best to the things I'm involved with. And what I heard in there, Jeff, was you came to a point where you had to take ownership and personal responsibility for how you thought, for your mindsets, how you reacted, yes. that it wasn't other people's fault, right? When you threw the concordance because somebody quit, right? <laughs> that was you actually making a choice sadly, to be angry. But you know what, though? That's an awareness. And then actually digging underneath, what's everything in our life that's underneath the surface that creates a reaction that for, I know in my case, had become a habit? Yeah. Do you remember Popeye? I know this dates me, John. Do you remember Popeye? I do. I watched it. I loved watching it in the morning before I went to school when I was a kid. Exactly. And he would get to a point where he would yell, that's all I can stands and I can't stands no more. Right. Oh, yeah. I think we all need to come to that in faith and in our life where we go, you know what, what I was trying to do isn't working. I am not joyful. As Dr. Jim Wilder, who you just brought up uh, in his book, talked about if joy is the natural state of the human mind, and I'm not joyful, and I'm not peaceful, then I've got to do get to the place where I go, that's all I can stand, and I can't stand no more. And that's when you have to ask who, not how. Who is it you need to connect with? And clearly, it starts with God. But the reason I believe coaches and coaching is so important today is because coaches work with people where they are in a leadership place and have the potential to help people move into their better case future. And John, do you know the derivation of the word coach? I don't think so. Crazy, right? I was a coach for 16 years before I ever discovered this. I mean, so you've been a coach for a long time too. It comes from a little town in Hungary by the name of all things, Coach, where they made these spring-loaded coaches, transportation vehicles. That oh, that's right. People. Yeah, they used to call them coaches, right? They were coaches. drawn by the horses, and then the, and then the, and the original cars were called a motor coach. Exactly. I like wow, coach I on an airplane. So like a coach is a vehicle that helps someone go from where they are to where they need to go. Wow. And so, you know, as a coach, our work is, is not – taking someone like where they don't need to go. It's not like when someone would get into an Uber and they just, the Uber driver goes anywhere. The coach is going to help you go, where are you going? And then walk with you. But in walking, sometimes you need to overcome the junk, the mindsets that are holding you back. And so I love coaching because I get to watch this process of transformation where people become who they really are meant to be, and they stop living in the lies that say they're not. What are some of those coaching skills that you think allow people to really have that transformational impact, to be that spiritual leader in the lives of the people that are either around us or the people that, you know, that we're working with, or if we are a coach as a client? Great question. So I wrote a book that I, I, I just use as curriculum for the coach training called The Eight Coaching Habits. 
So I won't go through all eight of them. I'll, I'll tell you two that can apply to any leader. The first one is just called opening possibility. And mm. it's simply working with somebody, helping them get a vision for their life, their work, their dream. And a number of years ago, a guy named Matthew Kelly wrote a book called The Dream Manager. Really recommend the book. It was so important to me. But it simply said, when you're, when you're in a company and you're leading a company, if you can help people that are part of your team unlock the dreams inside of them and then connect that to what they're doing in their work, that just opens up motivation and desire and a connection of culture that's often missing. So number one, I would say is, you know, coach, whether they're a full-time leadership coach or executive coach like you, or they're leading an organization, if you can learn how to open possibility of your people, that's the first thing that I would say. Uh, would you agree, John? Well, yeah, it, it just makes me, you know what, I, we were asked by the uh, U.S. Air Force to come in and actually teach all of their managers how to coach. And if you guys are looking at this, if you guys want to read an, another amazing book, if, just to put a huge exclamation mark on what Jeff said, it's called It's the Manager by Gallup. Mm. They surveyed and studied thousands, thousands, literally, of or, total organizations. Here's what they came up with. 70% of the success, if you actually look at all the success factors, is the leadership capability of your first-line supervisors, those people that really are interacting with your people all day. Now, that could be your, you know, the executive pastor, right? It could be the chief of staff of a church. It could be the, you know, vice president of sales. And the number one factor of that allowed people to be effective was coaching skills. What you said just reminded me of a story. A woman who was just in my class says, man, I wish I'd had these coaching tools the last 20 years of my career in the Air Force because we were actually doing a situational coaching and as we were role-playing it, and what she realized was connecting that person's goals, their dreams, why they were there, could be the key to unlock somebody that was really kind of a poor performer. And she followed up with me, Jeff, and said she had this conversation. She didn't give any advice. She didn't tell them, you know, what she just kept asking questions to open up possibility, reconnect who they were to the work they did and why they were there. And she said it was absolutely, and she used the word, transformative. Yeah. So what you're talking about when you can actually understand the skills of actually how to connect a dream, how to open possibility, and then, and then through the coaching, turn that from this idea into something tangible, concrete, because I actually now have some steps, some action plans moving toward that, that I, I have some accountability toward a, a path to, you know what that does now, it, it, now it just, it fans the flames of hope. Cause I'm like, you know what? I can get better. I could have a different outcome. Right. Yeah. I mean, imagine if your leader or manager was the one who breathed hope into you every time they met, you know, every time you sat down for a meeting, you breathe that manager and leader breathed hope into you versus, oh, here they come. Let me get out of the way. Right. Like, what are they going to drop on me now? And so many people struggle be and leave organizations because their leader slash manager, you know, actually discourages them. So that's where the next coaching habit can really be a helpful tool for a leader or manager, which is healing negativity. 
And healing hmm. negativity means that you're going to help somebody overcome the things internally and externally that are their barriers, what's holding them back. And a lot of times it's a mindset. And yet, you know, how many leaders that do you know have been taught how to deal with the mindset of their team, how to deal with the mindset of their staff? And a lot of times it's because no one's dealt with our mindset. No one dealt with, you know, the person in the mirror making me crazy was me. And yet I think as leaders go on the journey to know how to heal their own negativity, not only do they get a better life, they get a whole lot better leadership. I mean, I've got a picture sitting here on my desk, John, of my coach from high school who saw something in me, my football coach. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would go to him and I say, coach, do you think I can do this? And he'd say, Caligari, you can do this. I one time asked him, coach, do you think I can play college football? And he said, Jeff, he said, a college would be really lucky to have you on their team. And so if leaders learn how to breathe hope and life intentionally into their teams, it transforms the culture. But that's where I think, you know, hiring coaches, bringing in executive coaches, doing this kind of training that you're doing for the Air Force, to me, that has a lot of hope for what people have been hating, which is the culture of their company or coaching up the culture of their church, culture of their nonprofit. Right. And who wouldn't love to have a boss that was, you know, you know, got the work done, but also was seeing the best in you and bringing it out. So, so um, your guys plug into Jeff. Jeff is awesome. Uh, your website is wetraincoaches.com. So wetraincoaches.com, an amazing place of equipping, of being inspired, of becoming a coach. If you want to be coached and uh, you and I both have a coach now that we pay for. You work with Bob Beal, who's been a guest on this podcast, who's just amazing. But with that, just everybody listening, as we kind of wrap up, just what final thoughts, call to action do you have for folks, Jeff? Yeah, I, one thing they may do, if you go to wetraincoaches.com, you can go uh, and take an assessment called, Is Coaching for Me? And so, you know, whether you're a leader of an organization and go, yeah, actually, I, this coaching thing resonates with me. Or is coaching something that you want to move? Maybe you're going to retire. I mean, I, I see people who could retire from being leaders of organizations and company and become coaches. And so, you know, obviously, John, you and I are big fans of coaching and coaches. And, you know, I'd love to see more people be equipped where they as coaches feel confident in who they are. So when they're not saying, you know, I need, I want to transform people, but I'm a mess, right? You know, it's got to start with you. So I guess, you know, the challenge is if you get to a place where you say that's all I can stands and I can't stands no more, consider <laughs> coaching, working with a coach and obviously connecting with the ultimate who, not how with Jesus. That's awesome. Well, Jeff, thank you for the work you're doing. And uh, I'm excited to just see where life, what it looks like in another year or two. You've made, you've just done such incredible work the last few years and uh, just proud to know you, my friend. Keep knocking them alive out there. Same, John. Love you, man. Love you, brother. <laughs>